We believe that magic is a feeling. Magic is a feeling that you get when kind of multiple things are happening and actually working together very, very, very nicely. And we even went a step further and defined that like we believe that magic is kind of something that happens when a person feels inspired. He feels amazed or surprised. You didn't see it coming. You are inspired. You are engaged with the situation, but you also feel connected or belong. And belong is an important word. And I mean, again, for me as an, as an immigrant or as an outsider or someone who didn't grow up here, many times during those last years, I felt like that's amazing, but I kind of don't feel like I belong here. Like it's too cool for me. And I think that feeling the first three and without feeling connected or belong misses the point. So we talk a lot about getting all of those things together. And this is where you feel, you know, magic. Every business whether or not they realize it, is an idea business. The people at Gray have a long history of creating famously effective ideas. And so, with Gray Matter, we explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creative minds from all corners of life how they came up with their best ideas. And that's what matters for Gray Matter. On this episode of Gray Matter, we'll discover an idea that dares to bring magic to unexpected places and isn't restricted by physical space. Hi, I'm John Petrolis, Worldwide Chief Creative Officer at Gray, and this week's idea is Showfields, often called the world's most interesting store. We'll speak with Tal Svi Natanel, the co-founder and CEO of Showfields, about how he and his team reimagined the experience of shopping through the eyes of the customer. Founded in 2018, Showfields is a large four-story space in New York's NoHo district that houses brands, art experiences, and special events. They bring online brands to a physical retail space and give customers an Instagrammable experience. Showfields recently launched the Magic Wand app that allows users to bring the magic of Showfields with them wherever they go. This is Tall Svi Natano. It's kind of, it's going to sound abstract, right? But like the idea behind Showfield was that there is just a better way for customers, I guess, to shop. Um, and the idea was you know, to try and kind of dare to rethink how shopping, I don't want to say physical retail, but shopping should look like if it was kind of, you know, if it was reimagined through the eyes of the customer. So those are words that I can use today, but I think that back then I just felt that something is completely broken. Um, You know, so I have the ability today to kind of jump back and forth and to, you know, look at my notes and look at my thoughts so I didn't use the same terms, but I think it's set, set on the same issue. And that's kind of that something felt broken. I couldn't really put my finger exactly on how big the problem is or how big the opportunity is. But I knew that like there, 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 like there is an opportunity and there is a way to fix it. What we allow brands to do is the ability to create a very immersive brand moment where they can you know, get to tell their story in a very, very, very immersive way. So like you need to get a customer from discovery to consideration and to, to being able to get him to a point when they want to shop, which means that you actually need to create this small universe, which is all about the brand, telling the brand story and like kind of taking all the brand attributes in into this one amazing moment, um, like setting up the best environment for you to meet the customer. So when you walked in, so and that's kind of what we, we allow brands to do, right? So you, a customer, walking into Showfield, um, in any given time, in any given point, you would get to see between 40 to 50 brands um, 
in this amazing setup, right? So there are, think about show field made of two words, show and fields. Show is the in-between. This is where the art, this is where the content, this is where the community lives. And fields is basically our product. Fields is where those brands uh, live and where we kind of tell their story. So you get to roam around between like four floors of, 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 of magic um, and to constantly discover, you know, and unveil slowly, slowly different types of moments. Um, you know, looking into brands, getting to know some brands that you saw online, some brands that you haven't heard before, um, some brands that are very familiar with but are just launching new products. And with those brands, when you walk into their field, when you walk into that space, you completely and in a very immersive way experience them. Their colors, their feeling, their scent, their design. Um, you get to try the product, to experience, to talk to, a, to an expert, then purchase the product um, and walk out of it, you know, out of the store with a bag. So it's a very, very, very fun, I want to say, experience of both kind of discovery and shopping together. Put aside like, you know, very fun stuff like secret doors, uh, you know, rooms behind bookshelves, slides, um, theater, art that jumps on you, um, and other things which are constantly happening in the store. You talk about the opportunity. What was the problem you were solving for? Yeah, so I think that like for me, um, and I get to talk a lot about how, how does an idea come, you know, same thing goes with a problem. Like, it's not that, like, one day you hit a roadblock and then, like, oh, let's fix it. Um, you know, I can tell you that on, on a personal level, like, um, my mother was, a like, a window dresser, right? So I grew up in a house where, like, I spent, you know, you know, between design magazines, pictures she used to bring from all over the world of, like, storefronts she designed, her inspiration. I grew between, like, uh, you know, industry magazines that my father had. So I grew up in a very design-oriented house. So, like, when I came to New York, I always had this, you know, I had this, this, this dream in my head that the streets are going to be filled with so much magic, and it's going to be amazing. But little did I know, by the way, that my mom used to travel only on Christmas. So, like, everything was, like, you know, holiday storefronts, which really set a high standard. But, um, you know, I imagine that this is what I'm about to see, that I'm going to come to this magical place and New York is going to be, you know, it's going to just blow my mind. So when you talk about problems, like the first thing that I, like my first problem was that I didn't see it. Like, where is that magic? Um, and this is kind of where got me kind of going. Like, well, you know, there was like a very, 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 very big gap between, I want to say, uh, my expectation and reality. But it's completely on me, right? Like, there is no probably, you know, why would you have that expectation? Um, and I want to say that, you know, then there started, like, lines of, let's call them problems and opportunities. Again, for me as an, uh, let's call it an immigrant coming to live in New York, um, which things just felt kind of wrong, right? Like, a guy like me walking into a very, I don't want to say names, but let's call it, like, very high-end department store um, and getting this look of like, mm, and then being, you know, let's just go to the next person and then seeing my wife coming into that space and getting a completely different kind of experience. Um, going into like high-end stores and seeing that it's really not accessible and then going to Trader Joe and see that like everybody are equal and everybody gets magic. So like there's a lot of things that just didn't, didn't fit, didn't sit well, I think, in, in, in my head. Um, which together kind of grew and grew and grew and grew into this 
ah, let's let's do something about it. And I think I know how, I guess. I love that because your inspiration for your idea was born out of a problem that you recognized sort of in the magic of New York City, which I think is kind of, is, is kind of incredible. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't matter what religion or creed you're from, that New York City holiday feel is, is magic for everybody. Uh, so, so love that as, as inspiration. And how long from the moment you had the idea, wrote the idea down, to the opening of Showfields, what was the? How long was that timeline? So I relocated to New York with my wife and back then one amazing daughter in two thousand and twelve. Um, I came with like I was a CEO of a, of a different startup, like a mobile payment one. Um, so that's kind of why we moved. Uh, by the way, since then, kind of my family grew. I have now four amazing kids. Uh, still married to the same unbelievable uh, rock star of a wife that I have. Um, and during the, during the first, like, you know, three years, it was more about, like, you know, recognition, uh, you know, recognizing the problems, not even being able to put my fingers on it. I think that the first time that I was able to dare and say something uh, around that, that, you know, that's kind of what I want to do was probably three years ago. Um, and, uh, and, and, and then like, you know, probably a year after it, it came to manifestation. Um, and, you know, again, I, I think a lot, I never looked at myself as an, as an, as an entrepreneur. I kind of hate, I think this word, uh, I always looked at myself more of as like a, an inventor, I think. Um, so I actually deal a lot and this is where I drive my inspiration and I, I, I deal a lot with, you know, with thoughts about like, what is an invention? Where does innovation come from? What is an idea? So I think about those stuff a lot. And, you know, I feel like I get, being such a person, and there are many, 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 many people like that, and probably many entrepreneurs fall to the same category. I think that like this, you know, an idea comes to you. And the first thing that I'm trying to do is constantly push it because I get so many, 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 many ideas. So like you push, you push, you push, you go to your own thing. And then like those who don't let you go, and can keep coming back are, you know, are like eventually the ones that you kind of feel that like it's your destiny to see through. Um, so the reason that there is always a time between an idea to an execution is because it needs to, you know, you need to see that it sits on this, that it doesn't sit on ego, that it doesn't sit on like impulse, that it doesn't sit on that, that it, that it comes back to you from many, many, many different, you know, it's like this pregnancy. Um, and once there is like a seed and it grows, then 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 you cannot stop it or you shouldn't. Um, and I think that, you know, that that's kind of how it was, how it was for me. I love that. Great story. I think the best ideas come out of humanity and love and honesty. And I think it sounds like you've got that at the heart of what you came up with. Who were your biggest supporters in actually making the idea come to life? So my wife would be number one, um, which is, you know, uh, just unbelievable. Uh, she, I'm, I'm saying unbelievable because, you know, again, imagine like a person who defined themselves as an inventor. The amount of times that I came and I said like, oh my God, I have an idea. I want to do this. I want to do that. were like more than you can imagine. 
And I think that, you know, every time that I said that I want to do something, and every time she recognized, okay, he's serious, I got a completely full, you know, kind of backup from her. And again, like being a small family where our, you know, the rest of our family for both of us is in Israel, living in like with four kids in the Upper West in a small apartment, like um, making decisions or starting a business always comes also with like financial kind of commitment that needs to come with it. Um, and with, you know, time that I need to put into something. So there is always a cost. Um, and no matter what the cost was, uh, she was always, and she is still like amazing, amazing, amazing supporter. And looking back on some stupid ideas that she backed me into, um, you know, I don't think I were where I am right now if she didn't. Um, and you know, that's why I kind of, I'm so grateful for, for her. Um, and the second one, uh, which is probably, my biggest critic as well is one of my friends dash like investors uh, who, you know, who uh, kind of saw like who, who walked me through this process, who supported me, who eventually became one of our, uh, you know, the lead investor of our first round. Um, and also, again, the best and worst critic on planet Earth uh, for me. So he kind of wears two hats, um, but both of them are probably the one who would fit best to this category. Great. And for those who haven't visited Showfields, can you tell us a little bit about it? What is it in simple terms? Yeah. So Showfield is the most interesting blank in the world. And why do I say blank? It's because, you know, people think about it as a store. We, we started with a store, but for us, every place where Showfield can challenge or the status quo or reinvent or rethink how does customer experience should be or could be better um, if it was challenged through the eyes of the customer, this is where we want to be. So we started with the most interesting store. And by the way, if you ask Google, which I really like, what's the most interesting store in the world? Google knows the answer. So does Siri, Alexa, uh-uh, I'm on it. But um, we started with a store. But like as we grow, and this was always our plan, like we look at Showfit as a platform. Today, Alexa just like did a weird noise in the background, which is really strange. Um, but today, uh, you know, we are also an online platform. And in a few months from now, we're going to unlock another product. So again, Showfield is uh, a space that makes art and retail. And we allow customers in any channel they visit or meet us to find the most interesting brands, product, artists, um, and people in the world. So when did you realize you had something on your hands? What was the first success? It's, it, it wasn't easy for us to fundraise, right? 2017, the skies are falling, which is a weird thing to say today that the skies are, were falling back then. But like skies were falling, people are saying retail apocalypse, and then, like, you know, this group of crazy kids come and say, let's reinvent retail. Let's run into the fire. Let's build, a, like, something that looks like a department store. Um, so, like, realistically, it was a very, very, very uh, challenging uh, process, right? I think that that's obviously the opportunity. Every time you run into a fire or every time you go into a place where there's not many people, um, 
again, like for better or worse, uh, there is an opportunity there. Um, so I would have to say that the only or like the first time I started feeling like that they like we are onto something was actually when I saw the face of the first customer. Um, because until then, and it was like a long, long, long process, uh, it was like really all in our heads, right? Like we had so many assumptions, so many theses, uh, and then they all came to, like it's a zero one uh, saying that you want to create like a good experience because experience is like, a, you know, experience is like, is like a well-cooked dish. Uh, there is so many ingredients and you need to follow certain protocols and you need to connect so many things together and then only if they are done well, the end result works. And you can have the best ingredients, you can have the best, you know, kitchen, you have the best oven, and yet it just doesn't work. So I think that the first time someone took a bite of Showfield is when I knew, okay, like, we are in the right place, you know, let's go bigger right now. Love that. Um, I love when you Google most interesting store and it just pops up. It's so simple and so easy and appealing. And, um, and for those who haven't visited, it is the most interesting store in the world. Um, I think one reporter described it as being thrown into the ultimate millennial museum, but with real amazing, awesome products, uh, to, you know, it lives up to its name, which I think is, is awesome. Um, did you ever think about throwing in the towel? Um, I think that the answer is uh, always and then never together. Meaning, like, it, the, like an entrepreneur or surely like a CEO of a startup is only measured when you want to throw in the towel. Because this is exactly where you are different between anyone else. If you are looking for, you know, a place where there is no need to throw the towel, then you wouldn't do what it is that you're doing. So, like, I think that I am only measured um, by my supporters, by my investors, by, you know, everybody who, who puts their, by our employees, by, any, by anyone who is related to the Showfield, like, initiative. I think we, myself and everybody in the team is only measured at that point, you know, because this is where really you can you know, make the impossible possible. And it's something that we, again, talk a lot, a lot about in the company. Um, you know, it's only on the, like, this is the, by definition, doing something that no one else did requires you to be kind of measured and live in those areas that starts when you want to throw the towel. Like, this is how my, my life feels like. And in your mind, you talk a lot about one of your first investors and, and closer friends being one of your biggest critics. Um, in that vein, what was the best piece of advice you were given? And what was the worst criticism you received? Yeah, so the worst criticism I received was actually from him. Um, and, you know, he, we eventually became friends, right? Like he was like an advisor in my previous company. He was one of our advisors, right? So this is kind of how we got uh, to build a relationship. And then he was the first one I officially kind of pitched with, you know, unofficially pitched Showfield. Cause you know, it wasn't like with a deck, it was like, you know, this is what I want to do. 
Um, and, you know, he was really on the sidelines still as a consultant, like a consultant, as an advisor um, for, for a very, very, very long time, like a very, you know, many months in, into this process. Um, but during those months, he was behind the scene, I think, very supportive because he kept having those discussions with me. But in the same time, he was the worst critic, meaning when I say worse, I mean the meanest, not necessarily worse, like giving me a false advice. But like this guy is like, you know, he's very, 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 very sharp um, and, you know, very precisive with everything that he says and everything that he does. And, you know, he would basically like tell Stop, 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 stop. You're not thinking about it in the right way. You're not doing it the right. Why, you know, but not in, a, not, in, not in a goal to stop me, but in a goal to constantly give me a mirror to what with the person standing in front of me would say in that point. You know, like, why would someone buy whatever it is that you say right now? Why would someone believe you when you say that you can, you know, change retail? Why would someone believe you when you say that people can come to the store? But so, you know, I think that, and again, like, when you teach kind of advance, when you teach, when you train sales team, you explain to them that, um, you know, uh, uh, that uh, resistant is a sign of interest. Like every time a customer says like, no, and like keeps having a discussion with you, they're interested. If someone doesn't want to have a discussion with you, they hang up the phone. So, you know, looking back, I think that that's exactly the, the process that was there. Um, he keep he kept kind of giving me, you know, kind of reflecting to me things that, you know, someone needed to do in a very 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 bold like blunt way, and because you know life is too short not to, um, and because I think he saw that we have the ability to kind of, you know, to react to that and to grow from that, I think what eventually make him, you know, even more a believer, um, and that's why I'm kind of grateful for him, and along the years he really became a friend. Um, but yeah, that's great advice and, and, and great counsel. And, you know, the greatest results come out of good debate. So I think, you know, it's, it's so true. Um, have you received any advice? Uh, and this is rather contextual. Um, have you received any advice, you know, in the age of COVID-19 and understanding a bit of where retail is right now and where retail could be going that would be interesting for any of our listeners who have an idea that it's being impacted by this pandemic? Yeah, so I think, you know, when you dive into the essence of Showfield, um, we actually gave, gave a lot of thought and developed our own kind of, you know, I want to say like thesis about where the world is going, even pre-COVID, right? Um, I think that we were kind of grown to think that the universe is built from like traditional retail, uh, which is like those old department stores. Um, and there is like e-com. So traditional retail is really big. It's really stagnant, surely now. And then you have e-com, which is smaller, but growing very quickly. So we were set to think that e-com is eating traditional retail, right? Reality is, is that those two kind of industries are actually converging. And the next phase in the evolution of retail is something we like to call C-commerce or consumer commerce. And the whole essence of consumer commerce is that it's not really driven. But like if, you, if, 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 if you even think in the terms of online and offline, you already lost the discussion. Con, like 
C-commerce or consumer commerce is, is an age which is completely ruled by the customer. And by the way, we even took it to the next phase and we actually broke down to five principles, which is what we think that customers want, right? And they all start with C and this is like convenience, this is community, this is content, this is connection, and this is curation. And the reason that I'm giving you this spiel with, with, with kind of as, as an answer, I think, to the question is because for us, like, you can say that everything has changed, but and yet my answer completely didn't change. Meaning COVID um, changed the baseline. There are new guidelines out there. Um, there is a new reality. And from a customer perspective, this is now the baseline, right? Um, you know, when you look at physical retail, we need to maintain six feet. We need to maintain those precautions. We need to do this. We need to do that. Like, we think differently about how we consume. We think differently about shared screens. We think differently about contactless. But all of this together, all of the effect of this became the new baseline. C-commerce is really where is the stage on top. And I think that for us, we are applying the exact same methodology just today. And that's asking, okay, what does convenience mean for the customer today? What does content mean for the customer today? What does curation mean for the customer today? And I think that every landlord, every customer, every, sorry, every business, every brand, every retailer who would ask those questions would be able to win the hearts of the customer. And I think that where many people, and, and it's, again, it's completely understood because we all usually, yeah, you know, we start, we, it's easier to start with the pain and we all feel the pain. So like, you know, it's very easy to understand what it is that we want. We want people to come. We want people to shop. We want people to love us. We want, you know, but I think that rarely people stop and ask, what do customers want? And to your question about COVID, the question would now be, post-COVID, what do customers want? And I think that there is a way to kind of give them that. And if you focus on that question, then, you know, I think that actually you would see that post-COVID, there are probably way more opportunities um, for everybody than there were in the past. Um, and yeah, you know, this is just, uh, the new, new. So, so Showfields is a different kind of store and it, it is the most interesting store to your, to the tag and, and to the claim. So knowing that you have this philosophy and knowing that consumers are going to go back out into the world and, and experience retail in new and different ways, what makes Showfields different? I think what makes Showfield, like, again, thinking about C-commerce, for us, the magic starts from that point on. So for us, it means, you know, for example, launching a new app called the Magic Wand, which people coming to the store can have almost as an extension of their personality and engage in a contactless way with everything in the space. You can learn about a product, you can you know, contactless, shop any product that you want. You can call a brand host. You can, you know, check out by yourself. Um, you can buy a coffee. You can learn on any piece of art that you want. It's like an extension of who you are, but in a contactless way. And it allows you to experience the store completely in any paste that you want. If you want to talk to a brand host right now and talk to an expert, you can. If you want to learn more about product items, shop them, before you do that, you can. If you want to do both, you can. Like, giving you the freedom. For us, like, magical means that, like, we are going to allow 
you know, we're going to take customer experience in the store to the next level. We understand that in day one, surely less people are going to be in the streets, but those who are, are going to come with intent. Because I think that this is where the opportunity is in, you know, like what COVID did is actually set a, draw a very, very, very clear line between uh, immediate retail and non-immediate. Immediate retail is what you must, you need, and like online, offline, you are going to get it. And non-immediate is where you maybe put on hold a little bit, you try it online, but those are things you need to touch. So for us, enhancing every encounter like this is where the magic is going to be. So being able to book a tour, which is private only for yourself, maintaining a slot of time, which it's only you and like a limited amount of people in the store, having the whole store for yourself, like breakfast in Showfield, um, before we open or after we open, closing 14,000 square foot space for a group of like six people, which, you know, you maybe um, kind of did like, you know, spend the last two months with and you feel safe with. Being able to do a private virtual tour with a personal shopper who's going to walk you through the store and allow you to add things to your cart and check out. So again, taking all of those essence, everything that we think that customers want today, and just taking it to the next level. Um, the only thing that changed is the baseline. And I think that fun starts from here onwards. You know, as someone who lives in a creative space, there's always a song or a podcast or a book or a TV show or something that kind of was the backdrop while I was coming up with an idea and, uh, you know, turning the mic over to you a little bit. What is when you were creating show fields and, and, and working with your wife and your partners and everybody else involved, is there a song or a podcast or something that was in your mind or, or in your earbuds that you were listening to? Funny question. Um, but yes. So I think in general, I draw my inspiration from, from, from like, I always look at it as like, as like, uh, there is like this dimension, which, you know, I think creators and artists know what I mean, that like, I'm sure you will get it. Like there is this dimension in yourself that you can tap into. And when you tap into that place, like this is where you get inspiration. And there are just like few ways for, for at least for me, um, to get to that dimension. Um, and I think that like there are certain like types of music that I love to hear, which gets me there. I think that like reading books on the roots of retail, which is something that I spent many, 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 many months on, uh, you know, going back to the roots of Selfridges and Beaumarché and like where retail really started as we know it really helped. So I think that like, it's in general tapping into that dimension which drives me. Um, and then the question is kind of what gets me there. And if I need to just give you a song that played in repeat, uh, it's embarrassing, but it's actually uh, Be Our Guest uh, from The Beauty and the Beast in Disney. So, Kenny, as someone who's obviously savvy in the business of social media, what resonates with you about Showfields? Yeah, the fascinating thing about Showfields from an from a social media perspective is they create these Instagrammable moments, which I think consumers are always looking for. You're trying to drive that FOMO when you post something. And when you get into these cool, magical experiences, you have that moment where you can drive FOMO among those who follow you. Uh, we're always looking for talkability. And, and with Showfields, you get that. That's great, Kenny. 
Where can folks learn more about Tal and Showfields? Well, Tal's Instagram handle is at follow Shmalo, which is kind of funny. And Showfields is at Showfields or at Showfields.com. Also, you can check out their Magic Wand app in the Apple App Store. All right. Thanks, Kenny. Well, that does it for us. This week, we'd like to give a special thanks to Andy Yoncho. If you'd like to hear our other creators, founders, and inventors thought of their ideas, subscribe to this feed wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to reach out to us with questions and comments on Gray's social channels or our email address, podcasts at gray.com. And lastly, tell your friends, your family, your coworkers about our show. It really helps. Thanks for listening to Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas. Gray Matter is hosted by John Petroulis, produced by Joey Scarillo, Danielle Hunt, and John Dillon. Mixed by Guy Rosemarin at Gramercy Park Studios. Additional support by Christina Hyde, John Jenkinson, Grace McDougall, Lydia Dizon, and Ryan Cunningham. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.